You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're here with us, whether you're watching online or you're here in person. Welcome to Kensington Church. Again, we are so glad you've decided to to spend some time with us this morning. You know, there's a lot going on in the world, but we know one thing is that we are here right now, and there is a God that loves us, and we are grateful for that. So we want to invite you to stand and sing along with us this morning. Here we go. place to hide this weary soul, this vagabond. I try with all my might, I just can't with the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I ran out of the road,
You guys sound great this morning.
Well, good morning. You can have a seat. Good morning. So glad that you are with us, that we are together. My name is Danny, if we haven't met before. And uh, Troy Campus is a featured campus, which means that it's being broadcast to all the other campuses this weekend. So we want to say hi to all of you out there on the count of three. One, two, three. We are so grateful you are with us. You know, we had a phrase that we used always use years ago called One Church, Many Locations. And it's so true in our context. We have seven churches in this area, including our Brazil church that's meeting right now in the chapel. So we're, we're grateful to be uh, together. Well, there's a lot going on in the world. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And there's a lot going on here. If you, when you walked in in the lobby, you might have saw a little celebration by the chat room. That's our K Friends community, our special, uh, yeah, our special community that we love, a special young adults community that we love, and uh, it's a special needs community that are adults. And I love them so much. So grateful for them. We're celebrating four years together. So if you get out there, give a hug, give a give a thumbs up or anything after service. We'd love you to do that. Hey, if you're a high school student here today or on stream, I want your ears to be tuned towards what I'm going to say. And if you're a parent of a high school student, listen up. This is really important. One of the most transforming things we ever did for our kids is when they were little, probably seven, eight, nine years old, we took them to places around the world, Honduras in particular, where their, daughter, where their sisters are from and our daughters are from. And when we move them out of their context, this context that they know, and put them into a whole different culture and a whole different environment, they, their worldview was shaped profoundly. And it impacted their heart beyond anything you can imagine. That's why we believe so strongly in mission trips, in in times where you take a time out of your life, leave your context, and go to another context. Now, I know the last couple years we haven't been able to travel much, but we do have a trip coming up in June to the Dominican Republic. That is actually a uh, partner of ours. And so this is for our EDGE students. And I'd love for you to just take a picture of this and go on our website, .org forward slash go. Love you to be part of that. Look into it. It'll be the best thing you ever did as a, as a young person and as parents. So just pray about that, look at that, and invite you into that particular journey. Speaking of things around the world, obviously we're in four days of a conflict in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, if you've been watching the news, you know that, and you know that it's a pretty heavy thing. Now, I have to, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible the last two or three years how much has been in our, in our, is that true? How many things have been happening in our context and around the world? Yes. It can feel overwhelming. Do you feel that? This morning I was, I got up a bit early and I read an email by a pastor that I love, and she was writing about a moment in Scripture where Jesus' disciples were in, his, in a boat and they were traveling and the boat started to fill with water and they thought they were gonna drown and they were filled with anxiety and filled with fear and it wasn't a made-up anxiety or fear. It wasn't something other than the real reality that was sitting in front of them and they're like, look it, this is life or death and they say to Jesus, what are you gonna do? We're gonna die and Jesus has said, it's okay. Does that feel sometimes in our context that our boat's filling with water? I feel like my boat's filled with water a lot in the last few years. But the one thing that I know is that Jesus is in the midst. What's interesting about that scripture is Jesus says, don't you have faith? Now, some religious leaders would look at that and say, see, if you have enough faith, your life is going to be okay. If you have enough faith, you're not going to experience any trouble. I just want to remind you that's garbage. Because we're all going to experience trouble. You don't get away from that. And Jesus was very clear about that. In this world, you will have trouble. 
He doesn't hide any punches. So we know that there's going to be trouble. But I think what God was saying, and this is what this woman was saying this morning, what God is saying is, in the midst of trouble, do you know that Jesus is there? In fact, Scripture says that God holds everything in the hollow of the palm of his hand. I've always taken real great comfort in that. This past week, I actually put out a picture of Ukraine people, Ukrainian people on their knees in the snow praying, and it just moved me. And one person on my post said, well, that was from 2019. That's not real. And I said, well, check out the one they just posted this week. It's real. It doesn't matter when it's from. What we know is in parts of the world and in our existence here, we know that we have to be on our knees and praying in these situations. And what I was so moved by is the faithfulness of the Ukrainian people to be on their knees and praying, and Russian people as well, I'm sure. And so what I want to encourage us to do is to pray. We can do that. There's other things we can do, and we can step in, and we can partner, and we can help. But one thing we can do as a church is to be on our knees in solidarity and praying. So would you do that with me right now? Uh, I'm going to share with you something that a friend of mine shared. Her name is Liz DeGainer. She's a professor on the East Coast. Just became a friend to me in the last couple of years powerful leader, but she just happened to post this, and I grabbed it and posted it on my Facebook page as well. But I'm going to pray this prayer for us this morning. Listen to this. It's beautiful. Heavenly Father, your will for our people is peace, not in war. Pour out on our world, especially in Eastern Europe, your spirit of compassion and solidarity. Grant all those who believe in you the strength to be close to those who suffer and the courage to resolve their differences and conflicts in truth and without resort to arms. Be with the widow, the orphan, the refugee, and the peacemaker. Bind us all into the peace of your kingdom through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, we do pray that. We pray for your peace. It says in your scripture that where your presence is, your peace is, and where your peace is, it surpasses our ability as human beings to even understand what that means. It's a peace that you say, I give, but not as the world gives. Lord, we give that kind of peace right now. Would you give us courage? said, blessed are the peacemakers. Would you give us courage to step in? James 1.27 says that religion that you find pure and faultless is this, to take care of widows and orphans in their distress and do not become polluted by the world. It says in your scripture that we are to stand and fight on behalf of the oppressed. Lord, that's your heart. That is not a fringe idea of the good news of the gospel, but that is at the very heart of who you are. And we want that heart. So Lord, drive us to our knees this week as a community, holistically, praying in solidarity with all believers around the world that, Lord, you have us, that you have us in the palm of your hand, in the very hollow of the palm of your hand, and you hold us. Let us be confident there, and let us know, Lord, that you are gonna work in every situation. We ask for you to intervene. We ask for your power, for your grace, for your mercy, and we ask in the name of Jesus, and all of us say, amen. Thank you. Well, we are starting this brand new series called The Generous Way. When we think about generosity in church, there's probably one word that comes to your mind, money. But we are gonna talk a little bit about that, of course, because Jesus talked a lot about that. But what we're really gonna talk about is a holistic way that Jesus starts to guide his community and what it means to have a generous life. And so we're gonna step into that. Andrew's gonna lead us in that thought uh, this week. Before we do that, I'm gonna invite you to stand in a minute and greet one another. And then out of that, we're gonna show a video. And I'm hoping that in this video, you see a little bit of yourself. If you don't, I'm hoping by the end of the day that you see the vision of God 
what God has for each one of us. So if you can, if you're able, I invite you to stand up, greet someone around you, however you feel comfortable. year. What's up? Yeah, I already sent it. Well, it's not my fault they don't check their email. All right, well, I'll check in tomorrow. Tomorrow. Things not going well, huh? Yeah, you can say that again. Well, Josh was out of line during the meeting. <laughs> oh, can you believe that guy? Josh is going through some rough times. You know Josh? Yeah, good guy. <laughs> yeah, if you say so. You know, John, you weren't on your best behavior either. How do you know? Have we met before? It's been a while. All right, look, no offense, but I have no idea who you are. None taken. You've been busy with the Sterling Project. And Caleb's been acting up in school. Samantha showing signs of anxiety. And you and your wife have been having arguments about having another child. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, 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 you stalking me? Oh, I just want to help. Oh, you want to help? Oh, OK, great. You want to help me? All right. Well, if you want to help me so much, why don't you get my wife to understand my side? Hmm? Or how about you close this deal for me so I can keep my job? Or better yet, why don't you put some cash in my account if you want to help me so much? <laughs> why don't you do me a favor? Bought out. Freaking me out a little with the whole knowing the whole Sterling thing and Caleb, Sam. And how the heck do you know my name? Well, your dad wanted to call you Robert, but your mom wanted to call you Jonathan after her favorite uncle. And, well, I guess we know who won those debates, don't we? <laughs> little weird, me knowing everything about you, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, man. Every last little detail. Try me. Oh, you're serious. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Um, in seventh grade, I had a crush on a girl named Shannon Wood. And I wrote her a note that asked if she liked me. She had to pick between three boxes. Yes, no, or maybe. I put the note in her locker after lunch. What did I write the note on? Peanut M&M wrapper. Wrong. 
I wrote on the outside of a Mariah Carey CD that I gave her during Valentine's Day. So there. Well, actually, that was the second draft. The first draft you wrote on a peanut M&M wrapper the day before, on the bus. I remember when she gave back the note and she had checked no. You were really hurt. Boy, were you mad at me. Hey, why, why would I be mad at you? Hey, Are you? you... <laughs> Come on. Oh, my God. My, my you. Huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Am I dead? No, John. You're not dead. <sighs> okay, well, you know, in that case, the thing I said about my wife last week, I didn't mean it. It's okay. Hey, and then that thing that happened at the restaurant on Saturday, that that was not my fault. <laughs> and in the office supplies in my car that I took from work. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I was gonna return. John. I was gonna return. You know I was gonna return. It's okay. We can work on that stuff later. Okay. Let me ask you a question. What do you think you need to do to change your life? I mean, I'm not sure. Move to Africa? Become a missionary? No. That would be bad for you. <laughs> How about letting go of some things? I mean, you think that'll help? The way your things are going? Why don't we start with money? Uh, let's take a look in your wallet. Uh, let's see. I think I only have... Yeah, I only got 100. Well, John... Okay, I did not know that was there. Hmm. Okay, honest. By the way, happy birthday. I saw that you got yourself an early birthday present. Yeah, she's beautiful, isn't she? Hmm. Just had her detail. Unbelievable acceleration, infotainment system. Yeah, Tri-zone, tri temperature control, control, the ambient and interior lighting. lighting. Yeah, You got a lot of nice extras. <laughs> All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, can't believe I'm doing this. You're doing great. Now, what's in the backpack? Laptop, quarterly reports, ID card. I will take your job. You can have my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want you to give me your job. I don't know. Like, this is... <laughs> This is my livelihood you're messing with. You know, I don't make a lot of money, but I, I got bills to pay. Insurance, a mortgage. You have a very nice home, especially with all the work you've done. Subway tiles are a little cliche. You want my home, don't you? That's a lot to ask. No one's twisting your arm. My money, my car, my job, my house. What's next, my family? You have a good-looking family. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. This is from uh, our vacation to Washington, D.C. It... My family? Sounds like a lot, isn't it? You think? My wife, my kids? You know what, here, take my phone. Take my ring, 
All right, there you go. You have everything. I have nothing left. There is one more thing. What? What were you talking about? I have given you everything. I have nothing else to give you. You want me? I mean, what, what, what could you possibly do with me? You'd be amazed. All right. Okay, yeah, you, you can take me too. Feels better, doesn't it? Hey, you know what it does? Now what? Now we can begin. Here. Hey, what, what, what are you doing? You're welcome. I just want you to remember that these things are all mine, but I'm giving them to you like a gift. Use them wisely. Yeah, but uh, you still have my life. I get that back too, or do you really want it back? Yeah, I guess I don't. What am I supposed to do with all this? Check in with me. I'll let you know. to give a big shout out. We can give a hand for that. Hey, I want to give a big shout out and a big thanks to our media team for creating that video. And when I watched that video for the very first time, I so deeply resonated with John because that's exactly where I was at one point in my life. And just like him, I was afraid, afraid that if I gave what I had to God, that I wouldn't have anything left. And ultimately, I would be miserable. 
And so I held on to things so tightly for so long. But what began to change my perspective was that I began to meet people who were living a radically generous life. And they told me stories of what they had experienced, of what God had done not only in them, but also through them as well. And I came to realize that by holding on to things like this, that I, in fact, was the one who was missing out and missing out on more of the life that God wanted to give me. And what I experienced as I slowly, and trust me, it was slow. It was over years, it was over decades that I began to do this with the things that I had. But as I began to do this, what I experienced truly transformed me. And one of our co-founders, Steve Andrews, once said something that I've never forgotten. And he said, you can have it all if you give it all away. That's a profound statement. You can have it all. We can have it all if we give it all away. And it was an invitation to live an open-handed, generous life, understanding that when we do, we are able to experience a peace, a freedom, and a joy like nothing else in this world. And this is what we're going to be talking about in this series that we're starting today. So as we continue on, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful that what you desire, Lord, to do in our life is ultimately to bring us and to lead us to greater life, to experiencing greater life and greater freedom, Lord. But yet this whole topic of money, Lord, is something that is so difficult for so many of us, God, probably all of us, including me, Lord, that it is something, Lord, that enslaves us and keeps us in bondage. But yet, Lord, you desire for us to experience something even greater in our life, to pursue something greater that is actually worthy of our life, Lord. And so, Lord, as we start this conversation today and as we continue it over the next three weeks, Lord, we pray that you would guide us, you would lead us, you would also give us the courage to take the steps towards freedom, Lord, that you are showing and revealing to us. I'm grateful for this community, Lord. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. And so as Danny mentioned, we're starting a brand new series today called The Generous Way. And just by a quick show of hands, as I was thinking about this series, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you wear a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, some other type of fitness tracker on your wrist that tells you what your heart is doing? Okay, so quite a few of us. I clearly do not. But for a few days in the past year, I actually owned a Fitbit. And it was back in September. And it was on my birthday that my wife actually gave me one. But I am so cheap that I looked at this watch and I thought to myself, why do I need this expensive watch to tell me my heart rate when I could just do this? <laughs> so I returned it. And I could see some of your faces. You're like, really? You returned a birthday gift your wife gave you? Rookie mistake. And let me tell you, it was a rookie mistake. I have repented a lot and I've tried to learn from the error of my ways. But the reality is, is that when you look at our world, there are so many devices, whether they be watches, phones, fitness equipment, some steering wheels on some vehicles even, that will tell us what our heart is doing. And that's because our heart rate is important. We don't want it to be too high or too low because it's an important indicator of our physical health. And it's similar with our spiritual health as well. Because when we look at the scriptures, the scriptures tell us there is a healthier way, a better way to live that will benefit our overall well-being. And that too is measured by our heart. 
And that better way or that healthier way is what we're calling in this series, the generous way. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about generosity, but generosity specifically in the area of money. And I know what you all are thinking. You're thinking, I am so glad that I came to church today, so glad that I streamed, because I love talking about money at church, right? Said nobody ever in the history of the world. And you know what? On that note, we're also going to be receiving our offering today. No, we're not. We're not. We're going to take it later on in the service when it's a lot less awkward. <laughs> exactly. Nervous laughter, right? It's like, ha, 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 yeah, we're not. Not yet, right? <clears throat> but in all seriousness, let me say this. Because for some of us, when we heard that we're going to be talking about money for three weeks, walls immediately went up. Maybe we started feeling a little bit nervous and anxious, guarded, maybe even a little hostile. Because we've heard over and over and over again during our life that all the church wants is our what? Money, exactly. And maybe for some of you, you have seen churches mishandle money. You've seen churches try to manipulate people into trying to give. And maybe still for others of us, maybe when it comes to this whole topic of money and talking about it in church, our attitude is we view our money as ours. And so our attitude is, don't you dare tell me what to do with my money. And if that's your attitude, I have some good news for you because I am not going to tell you. No, in this series, no one is going to tell you what to do with your money. But rather, we're going to be looking at what God tells us to do with his money, understanding that everything that we have is a gift from him. But let me also say this is that this series is not connected to any type of capital campaign. We are not trying to raise funds or any type of money for any project that we're, that we're trying to do. And also, we're not trying to trick you. We're not trying to manipulate you into giving because, first of all, you all are way too intelligent for that. And although in this series we are going to be talking about money, it's not primarily about money, but rather about generosity. Because the truth is, is that God doesn't need our money. He doesn't lie awake at night worrying to himself, how am I gonna balance the books today? He doesn't worry about that. Because as I mentioned, the reality is he doesn't need our money. But what he's trying to do is that he is trying to liberate us from our slavery and bondage to money. And so giving and generosity are, have really is not primarily about God, but primarily about us. Because God wants us to experience the freedom, the joy, the contentment, the peace that's associated with living a generous life. And this is what I want for myself in a greater way, because I still struggle with this to this day. And also I want it for all of us as a community. But if this is gonna happen, one of the first things that needs to change is something out here. Because sometimes as people, we have this tendency to think, oh, you know what? If I just made this amount of money at work, if I just had this amount in my bank account, if I just lived this life and had these things, then I could be, then I would be generous. But as many of you know, it has nothing to do, very little to do with it. Right? Because generosity has very little to do with what's going on out here and everything to do with what's going on in here, which is what we are going to be talking about today. And the Bible passage that we're going to be jumping into is found in what is better known as a Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus' most well-known sermon. 
And this sermon is found in chapters five to seven of the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. And if you've never, ever read these words of Jesus, I would highly, highly encourage you to do so because they truly are powerful. So powerful that the people who heard it, their response was, after this sermon, was that they were amazed at Jesus's teaching, which is something that I have never, ever heard after any of my teachings. But hey, you know what? This is Jesus. And so this is what he says. This is part of what he says in this Sermon on the Mount. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But rather, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so Jesus tells us right off the bat, he says, do not store up for your treasure, do not store up for yourself treasures on this earth. And when Jesus was saying this, he wasn't telling us don't own nice things or don't have money in the bank or don't have a retirement, a retirement account. That was not what he was saying. But rather, in using these words and speaking these words, he was telling us do not make the pursuit of money the primary goal of your life. And the reason is, is because as he just said, as we just read, it's because these things are fragile. They can be so easily destroyed by moths and vermin or stolen by thieves. And the reason why Jesus mentions these three things in particular is back in his day, back in the first century AD, people would primarily save their money in two primary ways. And the first was, was by buying and accumulating clothing. Because back in Jesus' day, clothes were a lot more expensive than they are today. So somebody who had a closet full of clothes, that person would have been considered wealthy because the average individual, the average adult, only owned about four to five pieces of clothing for their entire lifetime. And the highest quality fabrics back then were also made out of wool, which is a favorite food of moths. And so if a moth got into your clothing, that moth would not only destroy your clothes, but ultimately destroy your wealth. And it was a similar thing with grain because people would store, would buy and store grain in barns because famine was an ever-present reality back then. And just as moths could get into your clothing and destroy the clothing and your wealth, the same thing could happen with the grain. And if moths and vermin didn't get you, thieves likely would. Because back in the first century, homes were usually made out of baked clay. So somebody could literally break into your house by digging through your wall. And the Greek word that's actually translated to break in in this verse means to dig through. And so what Jesus is saying is that these things, these material possessions that we spend so much of our life pursuing and wanting and cherishing, they are not worth it, he says, because they are fragile, they are perishable, they are vulnerable, and they can be gone in the blink of an eye. In this past February 19th, so eight days ago, marked 80 years since almost 120,000 Japanese and Japanese Americans were placed in prison-like conditions in locations all around this country in response to Pearl Harbor. And next week, I'm gonna be going out to California with 11 other people in our community to lead an Asian American civil rights tour. And one of the places that we are going to be visiting is a place called Manzanar, which was a location of one of these camps. And this is a picture, if you're gonna be able to see it, this is a picture of Manzanar. It looks very, very different today. But that is, just gives you an understanding that this happened in locations all around this country. 
And the reason why, and the vast majority of the people who were incarcerated, the vast the people, majority of the people who were detained, they were Americans just like you and me. And the only reason why that happened to them was simply because of their ethnicity, because of their heritage. American citizens locked up because of what happened with Pearl Harbor and the fear that was so rampant in our country. And this injustice, this type of injustice has happened, if you look back at our history, has happened over and over and over again to different people groups. And back in the 40s, there was so much racism towards Japanese Americans and really Asian Americans. And you see this sign right here. And this sign speaks volumes, not only back then, but also how Asian Americans are viewed today. But for some of these Japanese Americans who were incarcerated, what ended up happening to them was that the FBI, the police, would one day just show up at their door and just take them and their family away to one of these camps, which meant that they lost everything. They lost their businesses, they lost their homes, their cars, all of their possessions, gone. And for others of them, they were actually in a better position, slightly better position, in that they were given a few days to try to sell everything that they had. But imagine, imagine for us, if we were given just a few days to sell our business, to sell our home, to sell our cars, to sell everything, they received pennies on the dollar. And it is estimated that those Japanese Americans who were incarcerated, that they lost between two to five billion dollars in property. Just disappeared, gone. What took decades, what took generations to build and save was erased in a matter of moments. And there are so many lessons that we can learn from this extraordinary injustice, but one of the lessons that we see is that the things that we cherish, the material possessions that we spend so much of our life chasing after, just as Jesus says in this verse, they are fragile, they are perishable, they are vulnerable, and they can be gone in the blink of an eye. And that's why Jesus says, don't spend your life chasing after this, accumulating this, because it is unworthy of who I have created you to be, but rather pursue something that is so much greater. And Jesus says this, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And in saying this, Jesus wasn't saying that, hey, you, everybody has a bank account in heaven and whenever you do something good, there's, there are deposits made on your behalf. That is not what Jesus was saying, but rather it was an invitation to follow him and to begin to live the life that we were meant to live, a life that is not perishable, a life that is not vulnerable, a life that is not fragile, but one that will truly last and one that will truly satisfy. And this is also what it says in the New Testament book of 1 John. And this is what the apostle John tells us, very similar words. The world and its desires pass away. That's why Jesus is telling us, don't store up treasures on this earth, but rather whoever does the will of God lives forever, which is why we should store up treasures in heaven. And then at the very end of this passage that we're looking at, Jesus tells us some, some profound words. He says, for where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in our culture today, we typically associate the heart as a center of our emotions, usually love, right? And all we have to do to understand this is just look back at all the songs that have been released over the past few decades, right? That associate the heart with love. For example, Shot Through the Heart by Bon Jovi. 
My heart will go on by one of the greatest Canadians to have ever lived, Celine Dion, right? If you've seen Titanic, you understand the song. I actually own it on VHS, if anyone still has any of those. Also, but my all-time favorite song about the heart, Quit Playing Games With My Heart by the immortal Backstreet Boys who just keep on coming and coming and coming back, right? They're just like the Energizer Bunny. But this is the thing, right? Back in Jesus's day, they view the heart in a very, very different way. They didn't view it as a center of a person's emotions, but rather as a core of a person's being, the center of a person's physical and spiritual life. And so when Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, we can also read it as, for where your treasure is, there your life will be also. Because what we value will give our life to, whether it's our career, whether it's family, whether it's money, whether it's Jesus. Because what we treasure, we will treat like treasure and we will spend our whole life chasing after that. And if we wanna know, if we wanna know what we value, all we have to do is look at the way that we spend our time and our money. Because those are two most valuable possessions for most people on this earth. And we can say whatever we want We could say, oh, you know what? My number one priority is God, love him most. We could say, love my family, love my marriage. And the words can, those words can come out of our mouth. But if they're not reflected in our calendar, if those priorities are not reflected in our bank account, in our credit card statement, that's no credibility. They're just lies. They're just words. Because Jesus tells us for where our treasure is, if we treasure money, if we treasure our career, if we treasure something else, that there our heart will be also. Powerful, powerful statement. And so then the question is, is if our heart and our treasure is not where we want them to be, how do we actually make that shift? How do we begin to make that change? Now I wanna give us two thoughts, but before we actually do this, we also wanna receive our offering for today. And that is not a joke. We are actually gonna be receiving our offering for today. But let me say this before we actually go and receive that is that I wanted to say that Danny and I have said this in the past before, but you all are one of the most generous communities that I have ever been a part of. And as I mentioned, generosity is something that I have definitely struggled with, still struggle with, specifically in regards to finances. Time, other things, I can give those things away. Less difficulty. But money, that is still something that I struggle with. And through so many of your lives, not just not your words, but the way that you live, you have been some of my greatest teachers. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you for choosing to live like this and being my teacher over the years. And so on that note, we do want to receive our offering for today. And there are a number of ways that we can give. We can text the word Kensington to 77977. We can also give via the app or the website, which is how my wife Robin and I give. We can send in a physical check right here to our Troy campus location. Or for those of us in the room, we also have offering boxes at every entrance and every exit, and we can place it in there on our way out as well. But thank you, thank you so much for choosing to live like this. So going back, that question that I posed, if our heart and our treasure is not where we want it to be, how do we begin to make that shift? And the first is to develop. And that word develop is such an important word that I'm gonna be coming back to. But the first is, is to develop a generous heart. And when we look back at the Old Testament, specifically to a book called Deuteronomy, what we see is that at this point in the history of Israel, 
what had happened was that God had liberated his people from more than four centuries of slavery in Egypt. So now they were free. But guess what? They had no idea how to live as free people because they were experts in living as slaves. They had done this for generation after generation after generation, which meant that God had to teach them what it meant to live as free men and women. And that's what he is doing in the passage that we're gonna be looking at today. But I also feel like it's so applicable to us because for so many people in our nation, in our world, we are slaves, we are in bondage to money that we're holding on to it like this, chasing after it with every ounce of our being. And so God is saying to us, hey, you know what? You are actually free. Through what Jesus did on the cross, you are free. So let me teach you what it looks like to live a life of freedom. This is what he says. If anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them, but rather be open-handed. I love that image of generosity. Be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. And so God was telling his people, I have blessed you in extraordinary ways. I've given you land, I've given you possessions, but the reason why I've blessed you isn't just so that you can live a better, easier, more comfortable life, but rather I want you to take these blessings and move out into the world and to also be a blessing to others. What God was telling his people is as I have been generous to you, I also want you to be generous to others. And when we think about it, this is why we do what we do as Jesus followers. In that everything is a response. And that the reason why we're called to love is because God first loved us. The reason why we're to forgive is because he first forgave us. The reason why we're to be patient is because he first was patient with us. The reason why we are called to be generous, radically generous, is because he was first radically generous with us. And the most powerful picture of God's generosity was in what he did with his son. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us, for God so loved. He didn't say God just loved us just a little bit, but he said he so deeply loved us that he gave, he generously gave us, not just one of many sons, but his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will experience eternal life, life to its absolute fullest. And God tells us, as I have been generous to you, I gave you my son to die on the cross for you. But more is there than that. He says, I also want you to be generous. I want you to live this life of generosity that I have modeled for you. And years ago, when I was in seminary, I had just finished my first year and I still had two more years left, but I had no idea how I was gonna pay for those last two years. And the reason was, is because I'm from the greatest nation in this world, just in case you don't know, the nation of Canada. And so, yes, thank you, Canadians. Yes, absolutely, we must stick together. And so basically what had happened was that because I was from outside of the U.S., that I didn't have, I was, I was ineligible for the vast majority of the scholarships, the grants, and also the loans that my school offered. And so I had no idea what, was, what I was going to do. And that time was quickly coming to an end. So I didn't have a lot of hope. And I had been praying, God, if you want me to be here, would you please provide the money that I need? But 
like I said, it was towards the end of the year and nothing was happening. And all of these doors had already closed. And so one day I went to my school mailbox and there was a letter sitting inside. And I opened up that letter and it said, congratulations, Andrew, you've been awarded this scholarship. And it was a big scholarship because it would have paid for my last two years. But my initial thought was, this has got to be a joke because how do you actually receive a scholarship that you've never applied for? And so it doesn't work like that. And so I, when I, after I read the paper, I literally looked over my shoulder wondering, is someone gonna jump out laughing at me? Is this just a big joke? And so I went to our financial aid office and I asked them, is this legit? And they said, yes, it is absolutely real. And that this scholarship, nobody applies for, but the recipient is chosen by the faculty. And this kind of stuff, God's generosity in this way, not just in terms of finances, but in so many other areas of my life, in big ways like this, but also in small ways, I have seen the generosity of God. And my guess is, is that you have as well. And God tells us, as I have been generous to you, I also want you to be generous to others. But as I said at the beginning, one of the reasons why I did not want and refused to live a life like this, and rather I held on to things so tightly, was because I was so afraid. Afraid that if I gave what I had, I would have nothing left for myself. But this is what I've learned over the years. That when we choose to live a life like this, sure, we're able to hold on to the things that we do have, but we can't receive much more. And that God wants, us, wants to give us good things as our heavenly father, but there's no room for it. Because we're just holding on to all of these other things. And so all these things that he wants to give us, can't give them to us because we are not in a position to receive. But when we actually choose to live like this, sure, things will go and things will be released but better things greater things maybe not material things but other things that are worth so much more we will be able to experience and will enter into our life but it requires us to do this and probably like me for some of you the reason why that you are still holding on to things like this is because you are afraid afraid just like me that you will have nothing for yourself if you choose to live like this. But this is the reason why we can live like this. Because God tells us, I see your needs. I see your needs. And he doesn't just see our needs, but he tells us, I will provide for those needs. Maybe not for our wants, but rather for our needs. Because if we choose to live like this, it doesn't mean that our life is gonna be all amazing. It doesn't mean that God's gonna give us a mansion or a Porsche or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be immune from the difficult things and the pain of this world. But it does mean that when we live like this, God will give us what we need. And this promise is found in the New Testament. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us. He says, and my God will meet all your needs, all of our needs, not just some of them, but all of them, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And for those of you who have chosen to live in this way, I know that you have experienced this as well. But let me also say this, living a life of generosity, we don't just go from doing this to this overnight because it must be developed. A life of generosity is a process. Coming to that generous life, it's a process and it definitely is a journey, absolutely. But as we begin to do this and we actually begin to give these things over to God, as we saw in this video with this guy, John, God does take them. But what he does is that he redeems them and he gives us something that is so much greater, not just in terms of stuff, but in terms of life. 
And so for us as a community, one of the practical things that we want to offer for us, and we're going to be introduced to this next week, is something called the Generosity Challenge. And it is a 90-day challenge for us as a community to take a step towards generosity. Because as I mentioned, generosity must be developed. And for those of us here in the room, when we walk out, we're going to be receiving a card like this, which has more information. And for those of you who are watching via stream or even for us here, if you prefer to access this via our app or the website, which is kensingtonchurch.org forward slash challenge, you'll be able to do so. But ultimately, one of the things I want to ask you to do is that over this coming week that you would read what is in this pamphlet or on this card and for you to think about it and for us to be able to have conversations with our family, especially for our children, also for us to be able to pray about it as well and just to ask God, God, what do you want me to do with the resources that you have entrusted to me? And whatever God says, that we would take that step as a community towards living a life of greater generosity. But let me also say this, right? And in regards, in addition to developing a generous heart, I want to close with this. We also want to be able to develop a, a heart of gratitude as well. And this is also what we see in this passage because God tells his people this. He says, remember, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. And that is why I give you this command today. And remembering is a deeply spiritual practice. And when we remember, what ends up happening is that it not only compels us towards greater generosity, but it also develops a heart of gratitude in us. But this is the thing with so many of us, is that we are not only a forgetful people, but we are also a busy people. And that we are going and going and going and going. And rarely do we stop to pause and to reflect and to remember and to look back at our life and to think about and be reminded of all the ways that God has come through for us all the ways that he has provided for us. Because when we actually pause and remember and look back, we're reminded of that time when our marriage was in total shambles and it didn't look like we were gonna make it. But then that counselor entered into our life. Then that other couple entered into our life and God used them to save our marriage. Or reminded of that season in our life when we were battling addiction and it looked like we had hit rock bottom and it looked like we had nowhere to turn and we didn't know what to do. And then that one friend reached out and invited us to go to CR with them. And that was the first step towards freedom. When we remember, it not only begins to develop a generous heart, but also a heart of gratitude. And so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna respond by taking in a song and, Ash, and, and we're gonna be reminded, the band is gonna lead us in a song, but what's gonna happen is, is that this song really is an invitation for us to no longer store our treasures on this earth, but rather to store up treasures in heaven. But during this song, I also wanna ask us to take a few moments and to remember. And it might be remembering and looking back on this week, maybe this month, this past year, maybe our life and to remember the ways that God has come through. Maybe the ways that he has come through in the area of our career, our health, maybe with one of our children, our marriage, whatever it may be, and that we would be people who do remember. And through that remembering, we would develop not only a generous heart, but also a heart of gratitude.
gonna invite you guys to go ahead and stand and worship with us with this last song. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, cause you are good.
I have to say that was a good way to end the day. But hey, a couple things, important things I want to remind us of. If anybody would like to receive prayer, our prayer team will be down front. If you have any questions about our community, want to learn more, drop by the hub. Also, next week is an important week because not only are we going to be continuing this series called The Generous Way, but for Danny Cox, it will be his final Sunday before he steps off of staff. So we're going to honor him. We are going to celebrate his 22 years. So whether it's in person or on stream, I would love for you to join us here. But have a great Great rest of your weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.